Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very chilling episode of the Weekend Superheroes Podcast. Sorry for the long delay, but I promise it was worth the wait. Today is Wednesday, March 27, 2019. I'm Sean. Sitting with me tonight <laughs> is Steve and Darius. Sadly, we were missing our fat day. But how sad. How well, sad. I think he needed a, an episode to recover from that 0-2 factor fuck. <laughs> we oh. needed a break. He's going to get a British accent. Pat, if you're listening. <laughs> he is. He is. He's, he's, he's across the pond. <laughs> That's great. Um, but filling in for Pat, we have Lauren. How is everyone doing tonight? Hi. Doing fantastic. How are you? Great. That was you guys could chime in if you yeah. Lauren's like (laughs) she took the words out of my mouth. You guys or just Sean? Whatever. Dasha, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. All right, great, great. We have a great episode ahead, but before we get there, Steve, who did we talk to last time? We talked to Tori Hart, the adult baby diaper lover. She helped us explore a world of age regression and what it's like to live your life as an adult baby. That's right. And if you missed that, go back and listen to her. And it's weird. I know a lot of adult babies. Can <laughs> yeah, I go through right. the There's list? Big babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of soiled diapers, Lauren, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Lauren is my sister. She plays hockey, loves music, and luckily for us, is very hypnotizable. You see, Lauren has been on the show before. Back in July of 2017, we had hypnos- hypnotist Jason Christopher on the podcast. I forgot about that. And Jason sh- is the man. And what you're about uh, to hear, uh, what you're about to hear, is Lauren under hypnotism. Gnosis convinced that hypnotist Whoa. Jason smells fantastic. Let's have a listen. <laughs> what? Here's father. Here's father. Here's father. Okay, I get it. And uh, what, what is your name, man? Lauren. Lauren, nice to meet you. Thanks for volunteering. Shit. Appreciate that. Lauren's been fantastic tonight. So we got website. Around for a minute. <laughs> Just stick around for a minute, or why, why, why is that, Lauren? Like flowers in your pocket. I was saying, I just, it's just a pocket square. Heaven and rainbows together. Smell amazing. Heaven and rainbows all together. Heaven and rainbows not all together. Cool, okay. Sean. Not cool. <laughs> oh, that no. was a fantastic episode, Lauren. Thank you again for uh, for filling in for me. Hey guys, I I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have to shift gears because today we're going to talk about exercising. Put the dumbbells away, Steve. I'm not talking about that kind of exercise. We're talking about. The I got one more set. Hold on. <laughs> We're talking about the one spelled with an O, and the word is spelled E X O R C I S E. And according to Wikipedia, it's a religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons or other spiritual entities from a person, area, or even an object that are believed to be possessed. Now, there are two types of possessions. There's demonic, meaning the person is tormented by one demon. Or diabolical, which means a person is possessed by two or more evil entities. Both cases are terrifying and require help and require the help of a professional exorcist to permanently expel the evil and free the host forever. Now, there's a better than average chance that everyone listening right now has not witnessed a live exorcism. So the only way for us to even conceptualize an exorcism is through books, internet, TV, and movies. Now, thanks to these outlets, we can probably recreate the scenarios in our minds. So, it's time to play Family Feud Exorcist Family Edition. Feud. All right. Darius, we're going to start with you. <laughs> Name things you would find at an exorcism. Go. Somebody falling down a bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Maybe um, one at a time. Can we skip him? Uh, <laughs> and bed? A bed is on there? A bed. Bed. Wow. A bed. Dasha was actually giving us a hint over there in case yeah. you guys were looking. 
Are we supposed to? Can we just yell out? Or? No, go. Oh, sorry. A Bible. Bible's on there. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Great answer. Good answer. Yeah. Solid answer. Lauren. Yeah. Uh, a cross. Cross. On there. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Suspense. Was I was worried. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> Darius. Looking oh. at the paper, Darius. I was not looking at the paper. Darius. Cheater. Who said I was looking at the paper? Oh, I did. You want to stop stalling and pick an answer? <laughs> <laughs> I like to give a shout out to uh... <laughs> all the demons out there. Yeah. <laughs> Good night to the demons. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me, Darius? The top answer on the board probably was a cross, but I'm gonna go. Thank you. It's, it wasn't the top answer. It, it was really? Not. No. I I think it's the top answer. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> this is according to who? So I don't know how what a priest Priest is a top answer. Priest is a top answer. Gary It only took you ten minutes, Darius. <laughs> Bullshit. Holy water. Holy water. Barn? Uh, I'm gonna go with rosary beads. Uh, uh, not on the list. Not on no, the stop. list. Darius? Really? A demon. Demon. <laughs> demon? That was gonna be as, my next answer. As dumb as that was gonna be my next answer too. Gonna, uh -oh. Looking for demon. Demon is on the list. <clears throat> uh, there's only two more, Steve. An assistant to the priest. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a big X. The assistant uh, to the regional manager. Yeah. To the regional manager. That's that was bad. That was a bad priest? answer all around. <laughs> Lauren. Um, probably. Um, so a host. Possessed yeah, person. Possess yeah, the possessed, possessed person. Right, right, right. The, the, the Darius, one more. I'm drawing a blank can we, here. can we like group? Can I get? Can I get next a, Yeah, are we allowed to group, group, group it together? Thank God. Group it yeah. Together. All right. I'll, I'll cut out the time. So uh, group it together and figure it out. It's five, four, three, two, one. Darius, gonna need your answer. Incense. Incense. <laughs> the last one was, no, was the, la the last one was restraints. Actually, restraints. Uh, <laughs> Though there is probably still a lot to be learned at the Department of Demonology, there is one thing we already know for sure. Evil undoubtedly exists in this world. And if you're lucky enough to not have experienced it yet, congratulations. But it doesn't mean that it's not out there. Yeah. And removing a demon who does not want to leave is not as easy as serving up an eviction notice. And for some, it can mean the difference between life and death. But how many of us even believe in demons? Steve, hit us with our first study show. In September of 2016, YouGov interviewed 1,000 U.S. adults with questions related to possession and exorcism. 57% of them said they believed in the existence of the devil, with 15% saying they didn't know. Like, how do you not know? Well, you you, you got to figure it one way or another. Yeah, way to commit, right? Yeah. 51% believe that a person can be possessed by the devil or some other evil spirit with 20% stating they didn't know again how do you, you, you got to pick like there's not a, oh i don't know yeah when asked if they believe in the power of exorcism 46% said yes only 19% said no and 36% answered i don't know there we go <laughs> that's right almost 46% of americans in this poll still believe in the power of exorcism and with all of these people believing in demons, you would expect the number of exorcisms to be pretty high, when in fact, they are very rare. The Vatican issued the first official guidelines on exorcism in the year 1614, 
and didn't revise them again until 1999. That's a long time. I know. The main guideline here was that the person, I'm quoting here, the person who claims to be possessed must be evaluated by doctors to rule out mental or physical illness. Now, Fair enough. Right. According to the U.S. Uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, signs of demonic possessions include superhuman strength, uh, aversion to holy water, the ability to speak in unknown languages. Other potential signs of demonic possession include spitting, cursing, and I'm quoting here, excessive masturbation. Yeah, that's yeah. you yeah. on that last one. Did you add that in there? <laughs> Are you possessed, Sean? <laughs> I'm going to need an old priest and a young priest. Uh, and a lot of pornography, please. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, so we're joking, but think about how dangerous that is for non-Catholics who don't need to adhere to the Vatican's guidelines. You could potentially mistake spitting, cursing, and Darius's morning tug job for demonic possession. <laughs> <laughs> But you know damn well there's some religious zealot out there right now on the other side of her son's door thinking the devil is making him do it. Combine these folks with untrained, uneducated, higher-ups in the like XYZ religions who think they can perform a spiritual exorcism, and it spells disaster every time. Now, if demonology has taught us one thing, is that demonic possession is not something to be taken lightly. And when attempted by some rogue spiritual vigilante, it could turn fatal. Yeah, it could be pretty bad. Uh, here's some examples of when it did turn out pretty bad. Uh, 2003, an autistic eight-year-old boy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was killed during an exorcism by church members who blamed an invading demon for his disability. Killed. They killed him. Yeah, that's... that's, that's I mean, <clears throat> I just can't even... Yeah, yeah. fathom that. Yeah, throw that together in your mind. Uh, 2005, a young nun in Romania died at the hands of a priest during the exorcism after being bound to a cross, gagged, and left for days without food or water in an effort to expel demons. You know, that's yeah, holy yeah. horrible. Well, it's just these, um, it's these Renan exorcists that it's believe like that they mob mentality that just they all they think they don't need the training uh, and they can just pull it off. Yeah. Right. If they yeah. all agree, that means they're right. You know, they yeah, right. If there's if there's 50 of people that agree and one person that's out, like yeah. I think they just they saw it on TV once. They're like, well, that seems cool. I can do it, right? That's like uh, performing surgery because you like the movie, the show yeah. ER. It's I just, just wonder, like, how many of them were like, in, just intimidated by, you know, just a few of them, you know? Yeah. And the next example, and on Christmas Day, 2010 in London, England. Oh, uh, sh- shout out to Pat London. Are you really missing him right now? No, not at all. You're doing doing so much better. (laughs) On Christmas Day 2010 in London, England, a 14-year-old boy named Christy Bamu was beaten and drowned to death by relatives trying to exercise an evil spirit from the boy. There we go. Um, So, yeah, that actually happened. Unbelievable. And those are just the botched exorcisms performed by the inexperienced religious leaders quote-unquote, leaders. Um, And they end up giving real exorcists sort of a bad rap because when someone is approved by the Vatican to have an exorcism, you know they had to go through the necessary steps and evaluation. And you also know these exorcisms are being performed by professionals. But that doesn't mean it always works either. What you just heard there was the case of Annalisa Michel, born in Germany in 1952. Let me see. She's all right looking. Not too bad looking there. I mean, she was Roman Catholic, went to mass twice a week, college girl, smart as a whip. Uh, suffered from severe, uh, suffered from a severe form of epilepsy. Her third seizure happened when she was only 18. They put her on Dilaudid. 
You guys probably know what that is. Uh, no. Delighted? I don't know what it is. Delighted. Did you say gelato? That's so, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Gelatin? They're what? delicious. <laughs> but that didn't help. Um, at this time, she began seeing the devil's face at various times of the day. Now, you can say this was because of the seizures or uh, most likely because of the medication. But this is when things went very left. She began suffering from depression, hearing voices saying she was damned and would, quote-unquote, rot in hell. She became intolerant of sacred places and objects. At this point, her parents consulted priests and asked for an exorcism. But after consulting the Vatican rule book, they declined it. And they insisted that she continue with the course of medication that she was already on. Now, over time, Annalise's physical condition plummeted quickly. She developed unorthodox aggression and started eating bugs and drinking her own urine. As you'd imagine, on that diet, she lost weight rather quickly. And she began harming herself. Finally, Was she vegan? Finally, in 1975, a bishop granted Father Arnold Rents permission to perform exorcisms under total secrecy. She underwent exhausting exorcism sessions, one or two each week, each lasting up to about four hours. Father Rents allowed some of these sessions to be recorded. A total of 42 audio recordings have been documented. Here's more from that first clip. Well, I'm not sleeping tonight. So, if you're going to tell me that's a mental illness, I'm going to have to beg to differ. Uh, you'd have a better chance convincing me that that's just what German people sound like. Now, sadly, <laughs> sadly, in July of 1976, Annalisa died. How? This oh, is what she wow. looked like. She didn't look good. Oh, and she was 17 still? What? Uh, she was 23. The cause of death, by the way, emaciation, malnutrition, and starvation. The hardest part of all of this is knowing that sometimes evil just wins. Annalise's story lives on, however, in the 2005 film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, starring Jennifer Carpenter. You guys saw that. ever see that? Yeah. Saw that. So this is the story of Annalise. Huh. Pretty crazy, huh? Huh. But here's a question. Why don't we hear about exorcisms that worked? Exorcisms are private, personal ceremonies. They were never meant to be exploited by the media or Hollywood. Having said that, cinema did hook us up with a pretty popular film about an exorcism that was actually successful. Let's talk about the movie. 1973, The Exorcist. Has anybody seen it? First time I tried to watch it was by myself. Yeah. Parents weren't home, in the basement, 1 a.m. on a Saturday night. I made it <laughs> that to... That would be your fault. Yeah. yeah. That's your a terrible fault. idea. I was like 10. I made it to the part in the 10? very... Yeah, yeah. When the in the very beginning where she's in the attic and the flame goes up, right. and I was like, "Nope, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna watch this." So I remember you telling us this on another podcast. Actually, yeah. I was like, "No, nah, I'm good. Dude, not man, gonna happen." Have you seen this? I have not seen this. This is the first time I've actually seen that. Really? Okay. Yeah. 1973. I don't have to ask you because you're a 90 percent child. This but. is the most I've seen, and it was between my fingers anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Um, you're just gonna have to tell me about it. Well, I will. <laughs> Linda Linda Blair plays a young girl uh, named Regan 
McNeil, excuse me, possessed by a demon uh, who undergoes exorcism to rid herself of evil. But in reality, it was actually a 14-year-old boy whose name is still unknown because it was documented under the pseudonym Ronald Doe. What the movie also changed is how the kid was allegedly possessed. <clears throat> Apparently, Roland had an aunt named Harriet. Skeptics think part of his troubled youth was partly because she had died not long before he started acting out. Now, he was having trouble coping. However, Aunt Harriet was a well-known spiritualist, and before she died, she showed Roland a little thing called the Ouija board. You guys ever hear that? I remember Hello. that. <laughs> I remember that very well because there was a Fuck comment Ouija that boards. was said. That's right. That's yeah. right. But we won't have to mention that. Yeah. That makes you feel any <laughs> well, according to legend, she shows Roland how to use the Ouija board to contact her after she's passed. He did just that. And let's say he dialed the wrong number. According to Thomas B. Allen, uh, he was an author, after Anne Harriet's death, the family experienced strange noises, furniture, moving on its own accord, and ordinary objects such as vases flying and levitating as the boy was nearby. But after undergoing multiple recorded exorcisms, one of the priests on the scene, his name was uh, Walter Holleran, who allegedly had his nose actually broken by the boy, said Roland went on to lead a rather normal life. Whatever normal life is after yeah, how do you, something what, like yeah. that. What is a normal <laughs> life To whose standards? To whose standards? Like, uh, so I don't know what, honestly, what a normal though, life is. Yeah. So I guess what the question is, is possession real? Uh, can an exorcism truly rid a body of demons? How can someone come to be possessed in the first place? Time to get some answers. Our guest tonight can remember a desire to join the priesthood at only five years old. By age nine, he was already studying demonology and learned everything he could about the subject. While in the seminary, he was mentored by a properly ordained and experienced exorcist. He not only achieved academic success, but was later but later fulfilled his dream and accepted God's call when he was ordained a deacon, then moved to a priest, and then consecrated a bishop within the old Catholic Church. He has performed more than 28 documented exorcisms. Please welcome exorcist and author of Through the Eyes of an Exorcist, Bishop James Long. Bishop Long, how are you tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. How are you? We are awesome, Bishop. Thank you so much. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. We're going to jump right into it. Bishop, can you explain the difference between the Roman Catholic Church and the Old Catholic Church? Sure, yeah. Um, in the 1890s, so there was a split within the Roman Catholic Church because the Pope had declared himself infallible. And so, uh, actually, it started in the 1870s, and the Pope Leo XIII gave the Church in Netherlands, the Utrecht, uh, uh, complete autonomy. And the Church began to, you know, started getting a lot of money. I mean, they started doing very well for themselves, buildings, and and uh, so they, they were wealthy. And then the Church, the Roman Church, then said, hey, guys, uh, you guys are doing so well. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and take that property and take the money in the church. And Utrecht said, no, you're not. Pope Leo XIII gave us complete autonomy. So there was a huge split within the church because then the, the, the pope declared himself infallible. And so the church in Utrecht said, no, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. No one's infallible. And, and so there was that split within the Roman Catholic Church. All right, Bishop, uh, if, if we could. Um, all right, so just yeah. go back to the beginning. What Can you yes. just tell us about your very first experience with sure. a, a, being around a live exorcism and kind of what you were feeling, what, what you actually thought in that, in that moment? 
yeah, I wasn't the prime. I, yeah, I wasn't the primary exorcist. I was the secondary. Okay. You have to have, you have to have a secondary in case something were to happen to the main exorcist, the primary exorcist. So if if they have a heart attack or stroke, you have to continue the ritual. So uh, for me, I was that was my mentor, okay. and um, it was a woman, and she when we walked in, it, there was it was very still. It's, there was not. It was like the silence. Um, it was a very. It was a silence that forced you to to hear your own heartbeat almost. I mean, it was a deafening silence. And then she s- slowly started gurgling, and he began to, to do the the rite. Uh, we started doing the litany of, of the saints, and at that time, she would jerk her head back like she was having convulsions, and so. We did that, but and I remember her going down and holding this my stole on her forehead, what she was supposed to do on the forehead because I couldn't wrap it around her, and her eyes open, nothing but solid black. It was, it was a blackness that was like a mirror. You could I could see my own reflection, uh, and I, I couldn't move. I literally could not move. I was stuck, and so um, my mentor then grabbed me by the collar and pushed me back and. And did what he had to do to me to kind of get me back, you know, into into the focus, into the ritual. But it was a um, it was a complete void. That's the only way I can describe it. Just when em- I look emptiness it, and it, it was a total, literal. I think what what hell is like, and hell is a complete absence of God, and that's what it felt like. Unbelievable. That's pretty. Thank wild. Thank you for that. That's crazy. So what it what exactly is the difference between a perfect possession and a transient possession which mm. which one's really more common out of the two oh, tra- oh no question transient and, and and there's a huge difference between those two by the way you know when you're talking about perfect possession some people call it full possession but really it's perfect possession that is incredibly dangerous because the, what happens like annalise mckell you know the story of uh, emily rose we, we, yeah, yes. we, we spoke about it this year Okay. Um, well, of course, she was in transient possession, and she actually was a very good pianist. And so she would, during the stages where she was not under the possessed stage, she would play the piano. She would receive communion. She would do everything, and then all of a sudden, the transient. Now, what happens is is often when a person is suffering from transient possession, the exorcist will come in and they will begin to provoke, and they we provoke by prayers. So we start doing the litany of the saints. We start doing other prayers that we do to force the entity to manifest itself. And that's transient possession. That It will enter and leave at will. When you're dealing with perfect possession, that demonic entity does not leave. And the person uh, expires. It's, it's a very high probability of the person expiring, dying, because the demonic will not allow substance of life to enter the body, like food and water. So the regurgitation in the movie The Exorcist is actually very valid because you try to give them food or water to maintain, obviously maintain their energy, and they would come really, really violently uh, sick. That's why even IVs, if you have IV fluids within a person, uh, especially if they're really incredibly dehydrated, uh, they can still become very, very sick. So you have to oftentimes include Finnergan in that with, with, uh, with the medicines besides obviously the the uh, electrolytes so it it's like through a perfect possession like it's malnutrition and, and all the health aspect like the demon just drives any living force out of the body where transient it sounds like is in and out much like this particular skype connection 
it's very similar. Yeah, it's very similar. And of course, you know, when you're in transient possession, you, there is, like I said, there's relief. You have like flashes uh, of light, with, basically. With, yeah, with perfect possession, it's not. I mean, you're you're really in trouble. I mean, you're in trouble with both, but certainly perfect possession. That's that's serious business. Huh. So transient possession is more common, but perfect possession is more dangerous. Well, I would say both are, are, are dangerous, yeah, but yeah. yes, if, if someone is in perfect possession, then I make sure that um, we are monitoring every single vitals of this person. So I will not perform an exorcism unless I have a medical team with me. So someone it has to be there monitoring the vitals of the individual because they could go into a stroke, a heart attack, blood pressure could drop. Wow. And these, I'm not medically trained, so I have to have someone who is medically trained there and making sure that the vitals are being monitored. So sure. you, you sort of mentioned some of the uh, you know transient possession, but like, can you go and, and explain the three stages of possession? The, the biggest issue is is um, the the belief that there are three stages, meaning infestation, oppression, possession. Well, an exorcist, a trained exorcist, will, will know that there's actually a little bit more than just that. <laughs> it's not just that. There's actually, it goes into more detail, but we hear that because, you know, it's been out for so long. But if you, the, 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 the parts really are this. You have demonic infestation. So demonic infestation is when, let's say you go out, you go to a place that's uh, allegedly demonically infested, and you say, come on, I dare you to do something to me. You, you know, touch me. And so, that, and so what happens, now you have an attachment. And so you go, you go home, and now you have infestation. So loud bangings on the wall, religious objects are desecrated. You can a foul odor smell. I mean, it, it's the sickness to the stomach. It has infested it itself in the home. The second thing is oppression, demonic oppression. Now, demonic oppression is when it begins to do the physical attacks of the person. Now, keep in mind, so technically, there's not really three. Um, that's, that's a generic version. There's four. So you have demonic uh, oppression, again, the physical attacks. Now, just think about this. It's, um, this is where incubus cases come in. Where if And I've had several incubus cases. Actually, I have a, one of the most well-known documented exorcist, uh, um, incubus case in the world. Okay. And we actually have, we have, when I say this, not in a braggadocious, I say this because we have documented so well, we actually have a video where you see the victim in the bed and the bed sheets rise and fall and rise real high and fall. And what she, and she described them as bed walkers. Hmm. And so the physical attacks, it will begin to pinch you, bite you, hurt you. It will keep you awake. Uh, it affects your sleep. Uh, it's it's tearing you down basically. It's physically breaking you down. Then you have the demonic obsession. That's number three. Demonic obsession is the mental attacks. So you begin to hear voices. It begins to tell you you're stupid. No one loves you. Um, you really think you're going crazy. And then of course the fourth stage is possession. So really the the demonic. Well, people always say infestation, oppression, possession. That's not actually correct. Technically, it's demonic infestation. Demonic oppression, demonic obsession, and then possession. That's amazing. Um, well, I, so you you've done so many uh, exorcisms. Sure. Yeah. So uh, so my question is this: Were all of your exorcisms successful? Yes. Um, only by the grace of God, because and, now, and, now that, that that doesn't mean that they were without complications. No, no, no. I, the complications is one thing, but I, I guess if they were successful, what is success? What is success? 
if, if you were to put your stamp of approval and say, I did this successfully, what does that mean for you and what does that mean for the victim? Well, one, one thing that I always caution anybody who's training in this field is the word I has to be removed from the vocabulary when you're talking about I made I did this or I did that. Uh, I because once you do that, then ego can set in. I do nothing but be an instrument for God. So it is God who delivers them. And so what I see when I see that God has delivered this person through me, through as an instrument uh, of his of his doing, then I see that uh, the person is no longer when you're dealing with an incubus, there are signs to look for an incubus and succubus case. The person can now receive communion. They can say prayers without becoming violently ill. They can be anointed with sacred chrism, which can only be uh, consecrated by a bishop. Uh, mass can will be performed at their at their house without becoming violently sick. Um, there is no more uh, levitation. There are no more eyes dilating. The pupils dilating. There's no more language of uh, dead you know, knowledge of dead language. So there are several things that we look for to determine whether or not the person has been completely delivered. Bishop, that's a great answer. Can we just dial back just one second? Um, sure. I, I'm going to have to take somebody else's turn here, but can you just explain the difference between incubus and succubus and the, mm. th and the threat they actually pose on the host, please? Oh, my God. An incubus and succubus is truly one of the most violent and vile uh, demonic activity that I have ever seen in my life. Um and, and I mean this, incubus is, is that they attack women on a sexual nature, and uh, a succubus will attack a, a men on a sexual nature. Now, keep in mind, this is what happens. A lot of times people will say that they were raped by uh, an, an incubus and that kind of stuff. That actually is not correct. That's incorrect. And that's really one way that you can tell if you have a false report, um, because uh, the demonic entity does not have a physical body to rape. What it does is manipulate the muscles. So it becomes very violent. In the beginning, it's actually not violent at all. It's actually oh, we, human bodies and, and sex is pleasurable. That's fine. And it be, starts as pleasure. But then it becomes the very violent, the old hag syndrome that you read all about with um, the sleep paralysis. Once you say stop, that's it. I don't want this anymore. Enough. Now it becomes incredibly violent. How would someone tell the difference between actual possession and a, mm -hmm. like a mental illness, a psychological issue. How, what, what is that line? Yeah. And that's a good question because that's one of the most important issues here when you're dealing with someone who's claiming to be possessed. There's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, knowledge, they, they would have knowledge of future events and hidden things. So I will have, um, I, I have a St. Francis, um, uh, you know, icon, or I will have, um, a relic, a bone, and I will have it in my pocket, and the demonic entity will tell me what, what's in my pocket, and, or, or, super, or superhuman strength. So, for example, uh, there was an 80-pound woman, and this 80-pound woman, honest to God, had the, the, the strength of five Arnold Schwarzeneggers in his prime. I mean, really. I mean, just what did, what massive. What did she do? Just That's kind of pretty damn strong. Or... Yeah, did she throw things? Did she pick up did things? She, like, that... I, I, I've, seen, I've seen a person who is very, very small. I'd say probably 100 pounds and literally jump out of her bed and lift a queen-size bed and mattress frame and flip it right over. Pass. I mean, so just flip it right Hard over. pass. And, 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 actually, and a, Steve's moving next weekend. We can actually... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. That's yeah, I don't think you'd want her because... Uh, no, nah, I'm was, good. That was, a, that was a pretty rough case. <laughs> of yeah, course no, thanks. Was. 
Of course. Um, so continue. Speak, you know, speaking in unknown language or strange languages. Like, for example, if I began to um, uh, do the Our Father in Aramaic, I've said this before many times on, on shows, if I go, you know, Abun, this my Makura and then it will say it backwards. It will say the Our Father backwards in Aramaic. Oh. Nope. So as a form of mockery. True. That is yeah. frightening. Uh, there's levitation, of course, and smells. Often um, when you're dealing with the demonic entity, it's putrid. I mean, it really is a very god-awful uh, smell. Can you, can you actually expand on the smell again? Because this is the one that, that, that's going to blow a lot of our minds. Uh, a lot of people can do and say things. They can cut themselves, hurt themselves. But uh, producing a smell like the, the one you've described in most of your interviews is beyond me. So uh, what is this yeah. smell like? If you know, I've served as a chaplain before in the for the uh, police department, and I I have been to many many cases where someone has committed suicide, and when you go and you enter the scene, there is a smell of death that you cannot, under any circumstances, you can never ever forget it, never. So if you've um, ever you know ever been in that type of environment, you know what I'm talking about. It's also it is a it's a sulfuric smell. It's a sulfur smell. It makes you incredibly nauseous, and that's the point. As a matter of fact, Annalise McKell, um, she suffered from that very thing. She actually would omit um, god awful odors. And if she were trying to go to a religious place, a religious site, a church, or a shrine, the smell that she would be omitting would be so um, just. Uh, I think offensive that she would literally have to remove herself from the area. It was li- it was just that bad. And the purpose is to to make you uh, violently ill. And it really is. It's 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 incredibly repulsive. And that's why an exorcist. A lot of times, especially if you're dealing with full possession, a lot of times we'll put uh, some stuff under our nose to try to mask some of that smell because sometimes it's really really over. It's it's, it's overpowering. Oh. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that come with this, and uh, oh, sure. this is the, the smell and you know the things you see. But how dangerous really is it for someone without any training experience that you have to try to perform an exorcism? Oh, they're gonna kill somebody. Oh no! Wow. I mean, that, that's there's. I really, honest to God, I believe in my heart because you know, understand. I, I've done this for a long time now, twenty years now, and I'm telling you, when I started, uh, there was two people, me and Father Andrew Calder. That's it. And Andy was a part of the Anglican community. He was not um, even. Uh, he was not a Catholic uh, clergy member, but I was good friends with Andy, and we were the only ones. There was no, there were no other clergy members helping the paranormal community, none. And there certainly was no Catholic clergy member. And so when I went public with my ministry, which I didn't really want to do, but when I went public, I mean, I can tell you some stories that um, it was, was mixed reviews. There were some people that were quite vicious, really vicious. vicious? Oh my good God. I I mean, (sighs) You, all you got to do is just do a Google search on Bishop James Long, and you'll see a lot of hater gators out there. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have mean, to look that up. Uh, wow. I mean, seriously, people have said that I've, you know, ordained a 16 year old boy and had relations with him, or that I never went to the seminary and I never had, you know, degrees. And it got so bad. I literally had to post my transcripts on Facebook because I had to say, this is where I went. Here's my degrees. Here are my grades. And here, I had to do that. 
And as I because recall, as I recall, you did pretty well. You had a four point um, yep. and, and you graduated from where? What was it? Well, actually, I graduated from Agape Seminary with a doctorate uh, of ministry. I have a um, master's of divinity. I have a master's of education from Argosy University in Florida. I have wow. a master's of business from Sullivan University oh in Louisville. And I have a bachelor's of communications from Loyola University in Chicago, Dude. associate of philosophy as well as psychology. So you're a newbie. Okay, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the most terrifying event that ever happened during exorcism that you performed or attended? You know, anytime you're doing an exorcism, I, I say, I'm not scared. The thing is, is I, yeah, I don't get scared because I, I, I know it's, par it's just parlor tricks. So when a demonic entity, because it, there's nothing that a demonic entity can do that would scare me because I don't fear death. And so because I don't fear death, they have no power or control over me. Because really, that's ultimately what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fear of death, the fear of demonic entity causing pain, suffering, and ultimately death. Well, I don't fear death. But I will tell you the most emotional um, case that I've ever worked was a, a woman who was 68 years old. And, she, and I've said this on many shows. She's, she was like a grandma. She was the most wonderful human being I've probably ever met in my life. I absolutely loved her. But she was suffering from a very violent incubus case. This is, and this is the most documented uh, incubus case in the world from psychologists, from medical doctors, from her personal doctor, from e everybody who worked with her, including myself and all clergy. This is the most documented case that's ever on the incubus case. Like I said, she was 68 years old. And when I got involved with the case, uh, she was in the uh, ER. She was in the emergency room because she had literally been ripped apart in her anal area. And so, um, and her, her, uh, the private area was so violently uh, attacked that there were some issues as well. So she required stitches. And um, I got, I spoke to the family. It's incredible. It, uh, they detailed everything. It literally book. I mean, it's it, it, how they, how they documented is so phenomenal. They were really, because no one would help them. And so um, she required a psychological evaluation, which she did. Everything was fine. And uh, she, what she would say is um, she would be in her truck and she, it's a pickup truck. And this is a, this is a woman that she loved. She loved her independence. And if you went to her house, the very first thing she wants to do is feed you, hug you and feed you. I mean, she was just yeah, that course. type of woman. Yeah. But while she was going to church, it, it, this is when it started. Um, she said that while she was in her, in her truck, her pickup truck, it, uh, it began to pinch her violently in her private region. Um, prior to that, it was very much like a she was having a dream, uh, you know, a, a, a sex dream, a, a, you know, kind of thing. And she didn't stop it. And then one time she said, okay, this is not natural. I want to stop this. And then that's when it became very violent. And she would describe them as bedwalkers. And there were three. And what they actually felt like 10-pound dogs slowly walking up to her in the bed. She could feel all three walking towards her. Mm. Um, they would pin her down. They would scratch her, pin her down. She couldn't move. And that's when the demonic entity will begin to violently rape her. And she described it as, as a plunger being felt like a plunger being used in, in her uh, vaginal area and her anal area. And it was incredibly violent. And like I said, she was driving to church and she crashed her truck because it, it felt like all of a sudden this plunger was being 
shoved in her private area and she'd you know crashed she couldn't drive anymore and so when i got involved as i said her anal area had literally been ripped and required stitches and so i worked with her for three years and um it, it was emotional because i began i i i loved her i mean she was just the sweetest woman and uh, i loved her family and so we became very close and she had been uh, attacked for five years and so finally, in the last year of her life, after three years of working with her, she was no longer being physically assaulted. She could still fill the bed walkers, but they wouldn't touch her anymore. They would not physically hold her down and, and it would not rape her. Um, so she, for the last year of her life, she was free of that. And then when she passed away, uh, her family asked if I would be willing to preside at her funeral. And that was that really touched my heart. That really, and so I, I did. And so I, I uh, presided her funeral and, um, you know, did what, you know, blessed her, anointed her body. And uh, it was just a very, but she went through hell. I mean, she, she Literally, went through, absolute, yeah. that was the most violent um, cases. And of course, I've also had a succubus case where a man's genitals, his testicles were smashed. And I mean, literally, smashed. I mean, it, it was like, it was now those reactions. It was as if someone had taken a baseball bat and just, you know, slammed. So, so you think it's that. it's pretty easy for these demonic possessions no. to physically harm? Um. Absolutely, yeah. But again, um, when you're talking about an incubus or succubus, it's not a physical being. It's a manipulation of the muscles to the point, or or uh, the veins, etc. It can manipulate the body. It can, as a form of transient possession, well, and it can attack the the muscles and rip muscles, and that's why I've I've heard bones snap when I'm uh, during an exorcism. Um, yeah, you can hear the, someone I, someone I twisted, yeah, someone twisted the arm, and they twisted their arm literally. Just they didn't do it with they didn't do it with both hands. They just did it, you. I could see the person to literally twist their arm all the way around and hear it snap. Yeah, I am. Uh, I was. I'm, I'm down. I'm like exhausted. Yeah. I think we'd all like to believe some of this wasn't true. I know. Yeah. Right? This is and, real, though. Uh, the demonic possession is real. Um, sure. So I understand. I, I, I don't get paid for, for this. I, I don't, there's no, I don't receive payment. I don't charge. And so, uh, ever on doing any of these cases. So, believe me, if I didn't know, if I didn't know, that it exists, I'd be doing something else with my time. Bishop, I cannot thank you for coming on and, and schooling us and showing us everything. <laughs> that w We had so many burning questions. You answered so all of them so honestly and, and amazing. Um, let me ask you something. Do you, have, uh, do you have five more minutes? At the end of, the, at the end of every episode, we play a game called uh, Factor Fucked. And F, it's by the way, it's F U C T. We understand you're a bishop and you're a man of God, so it's F U C T. So it's cute and cuddly and not offensive at all. Uh, but it's an exorcist uh, trivia game called Factor Fuck. Do you in? Sure, sure. Yeah, as long as I don't get called in, I, I'm a, a chaplain for a hospital, and so um, you know that that could always happen. Uh, it'll be, be quick, I promise. You ready? Oh boy, here we okay. go. If adjusted for inflation, the 1973 film The Exorcist would be the top grossing R-rated film of all time. Probably say fact. Fact. Bishop? 
Yeah, I'd say fact. That is well. a fact. Well done to both yeah, of you. Heck yeah. I was going right. to say fuck. That would, right, I would have put like Wolverine or something. You're doing better it, than Pat. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> the ancient Mesopotamian demon, known for bringing famine during dry seasons and locusts during rainy seasons, was known by the name Pazuzu. Ooh, I'm going to say fucked. Fucked. F- Bishop? Well, I... I- uh, I would say that S word as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. Yes. Well, you're both wrong. Oh, That's a fact. Oh, see, you don't even have to say Come that, on. Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Pazuzu was uh, the one known in the, the film The Exorcist. That was the demon uh, that was possessing uh, in the film, huh. not reality in the film. Yeah. Uh, Darius, mm-hmm. the Ouija board was named after its inventor, James Ouija, a spiritualist from the late 1800s who was known to speak to the dead using a glass saucer and the French alphabet carved into his dining room table. I'm going to go with fact. Fact. Bishop. I don't think so. I'm going to go with uh, (laughs) the other one. The other other one. one. Uh, Bishop, well done. You got that one. (laughs) I I knew there was no way it was me three facts in a row. Three more. We'll let you go. Lauren. An exorcism was performed on Mother Teresa a few months before she died because fear because of the fear that she was being attacked by the devil. Uh, I'll say fact to that one. Fact, Bishop. Uh, I would say fact. That is a fact. Well done to both of you. Two for two. (laughs) Two more. Two for two. Yeah, Lauren, just crushing it. Yeah, Steve. The trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson is the first known court case in the United States in which the defense sought to prove innocence based upon the defendant's claim of demonic possession and denial of personal responsibility for the crime. <sighs> uh, That's e- Come on. That's an easy one. <laughs> I love when they I'm hang you on. save Fucked. Fucked. Bishop? Oh, man. You messed up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Come it on. It is a fact. That is the known as the devil made me do it case. Does that mean yes. I have to take off the next podcast <laughs> which, now? Yeah, which, means, by the way, which, by the way, he lost. So don't use that as a defense. He did time. lose. He did lose. He was convicted of murder <laughs> of his of his landlord. Or, yeah, his landlord, I believe. Right. <laughs> Last one. Right. And I'll let you go. Darius. He's really bad at this, but you should have this one. I don't know. Pat was pretty bad at this. <laughs> I just went 0 2. So. There is. Artist Salvador Dali asked an Italian monk to perform an exorcism on him in the late 1940s. In exchange, he presented him with a sculpture of Jesus Christ on the cross, which was discovered in 2005. Fucked. Fucked. Bishop? Uh, that's true. That is a fact. Damn it. Bishop, you absolutely killed it. 100%. Did he miss any? (laughs) And that is our show. A monumental thank you to exorcist Bishop James Long for coming on the show. And if you want to find out more about Bishop Long, schedule an appointment with him or donate to his homeless and women's shelter ministry, please go to www.bishopjameslong.com. Bishop Long is also the founder of the Paranormal Clergy Institute. Check them out at paranormalclergy.com. You can also find his book, Through the Eyes of an Exorcist, on Amazon right now. Bishop Long, would you like to say goodbye to everyone who loves you out there? 
Well, everyone have a beautiful day. Thanks for having me, guys. Heck yeah. Thank, Thank you so you much. so Chef. much. And Thank if you, you. like this episode and want to hear more like it, just search for The Weekend Superheroes wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Lauren, would you like to say goodbye? like to say goodbye. Goodbye to everyone. Thank you for having me on for the Bye. first time. <laughs> nice job, Steve. Later. <laughs> there is. Uh, goodbye, everybody. And always remember. There is. You're not going to say goodbye to the demons? All right. No. Goodbye uh, to the demons? Maybe just the ladies. Yeah, goodbye to the ladies? Just, yeah, just, just the, the ladies. ladies. <laughs> All right. Goodbye to the ladies. And always remember to podcast responsibly.